A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's the the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. With the departure of Liam Brady from the RT panel, I think it's only right to officially confer the title of senior analyst on Richie Sadler. Not sure if he wants that title, but we hereby confer it on Who him. Who does? <laughs> Who does when you're in your mid-40s? And senior analyst. And <laughs> we all just have a picture of what the senior analyst looks like and it's not your mid-40s. Mid-40s, but Richie, I'm sorry. Well, I mean... For, if you, 44. If you, yeah, that's mid-40s. Come on. If you're, if you're if 44 and you're saying that's early 40s, well, I'm sorry, mate. This week... Hate to break it to you. On the second Captain's World Service, the senior analyst teamed up with Virgin Media's main man, Damien Delaney, Ireland's two foremost football pundits, coming together for our final Republic of Ireland chat of the season. Oh, it turned out not to be our final chat because Stephen Kenny's five-minute monologue was printed a day later, so you and I ended up having a mm. ten-minute dialogue <laughs> about the five-minute monologue, which is good maths. I mean, it evens out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, your, your understanding of Latin is just... <laughs> As ever, spot on. Here's a snippet of Tuesday's chat with Damien and Richie. It was the morning after the Gibraltar game. I had been making the argument that the players at least look like they're still playing for Stephen Kenny. But Damien just couldn't shake the memories of the Athens debacle on Friday night. Enjoy our quadrilogue. Like this is international football, not club football. At club football, if players get disillusioned, only the manager, they'll mm-hmm. you know, down tools and look for a move. The patriotism and the feel of coming in for your country, you will always show up and try your hardest, right? And I know Richie said there that, you know, one one misguided comment in post-mass interview, you can lose the changing room, right? But I tell you, the best way to lose a changing room, right, is asking the players to do what happened on Friday night because now you're making players look bad. That's mm-hmm. the fastest way to lose a changing room because players aren't stupid. All of them know what's going on. And if I was Matt Doherty after the game, I'd have been fucking raging that I was hung out to dry that way, that I, had to, I was asked to do that job and Simicast played as well as what he did and I could do nothing about it because all Matt Doherty, Callum O'Dowd and Will Smallbone did was exactly what they were asked to do. It's mm. not like they showed up and did that off their own back. They played the exact way that they were asked to play. That is the fastest way to lose the interest of a group, not consciously, but subconsciously because the next time the manager tells you to do something or picks a shape, you're going to be looking at him going, oh good, 
well, what's going to happen this time now? So if I go and do that again, will you make me look like that on national TV? And will I get the level of criticism and barrage that I got the last time because I just did what you asked, to be honest with you? So any chance you could do your fucking job and come up with a, a system, please, that you know allows us to win games of football and it kind of makes me look good. They didn't look They didn't look like they were at that attitude on Friday night, or last night, though. They looked like they were still playing for their manager. Still, still, still. But you will always play for your country, though. You'll always come in and run around because it's your country. It's not a club. If you follow with a club manager, you can almost go. Do you know what? I'm, I'm done with him. I'm leaving in the next window, right? And that's how you lose a change room. But international football, you can still call Richie up now and he'd do his best. You know, with his issues he was talking about earlier. But what like, are you talking about? He won't even play in the Fair Play Cup on Sunday. <laughs> Neither will like, you, by still... the way. I'm calling both of you out live on air here. Unbelievable. Richie is probably more mobile than me, to be honest with you. <laughs> if that's the truth, <laughs> Jesus, you're very, you're in a bad way. So, so, that's so the truth, David's lying down talking to us. Yeah. <laughs> so so you, you can't, like, say players have done tools because club and country are different. The patriotic uh, draw of playing for country we'll stop that for happening. You even look at the end of the eras of Mick, Trapp, uh, Martin, any manager, the players will still run and try around, uh, will run and, and try as, much, as best they can. But I think it's when you subconsciously lose the players because the players have lost faith in the manager and his ability to pick a formation. And it, they will never come out and say it. Like Matt Doherty will never go out and say, what the fuck was that shit that he made me do on Friday night? He'll come out and just be like, "That's why I think that's why Matt ended up getting sent off. I think he was raging for the whole game. Very laying it all out there was Damien. I'm not sure. Was your voice even in there, Murph? Uh, I don't think so, actually. So what, what's that then? Trialogue. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with trialogue. <laughs> trialogue. Answers on the postcard. This is the only place you'll hear Richie and Damien together. They were brilliant this week. That's just a little taste of it. Sign up on secondcaptains.com to hear them. Only costs five or a month plus fat, and there's no minimum contract. You'll also hear tomorrow's part about Vera Powell's Republic of Ireland, who plays Zambia tonight. There's a lot of players playing for a spot on the plane to Australia for the World Cup. We played out a fascinating interview today, really, really interesting, with Eddie Dunbar, the Irish cyclist who recently cracked the top 10 at the Giro d'Italia. He spoke to us about growing up in Bantir in Cork, playing rugby and sharing a love of cycling with his dad, who sadly died when Eddie was young. The fulfilling of his potential now that he's finally become a team leader. And we also talked in depth about the dangers of the sport. It's worth bearing in mind when you hear this clip the chat with Eddie was recorded in studio last Wednesday. The next day, the day after this conversation, the Swiss cyclist Gino Mader crashed at the Tour de Suisse and Mader died the day after that on the Friday. Horrible stuff, like a horrendous incident. That all happened in the couple of days after we spoke to Eddie. And I think it makes it even more poignant hearing what Eddie had to say, given what was to come the very next day in Switzerland. Worst crash was definitely the concussion I had in the baby Giro. It's probably exactly six years ago, maybe to the day. Um, that was the worst one. Uh, not many scars, no broken bones, but a concussion that kind of scarred me for, um, yeah, probably seven or eight months. Seven or eight months. Yeah, it lasted a while. Um, and like I've done, I've done my collarbone three times, uh, dislocated my AC joint, broken hand, um, lots of road rash. Um, yeah, it's just kind of the usual cuts and bruises. But the concussion, the one that you can't see, um, the one that probably friends and family could see more than I probably saw. Um, yeah, just didn't didn't notice it till a couple of weeks or a couple of months after. Oh, really? That, okay. It, it, well, I knew it was there. I knew there was something wrong. But when you can't see it, um, that's that's the biggest problem, you know. Um, like the effects didn't kick in. After 24 hours, it was a progression of getting worse. Um, now I was probably, um, a lot of that was probably down to me as well. Um, like after the crash, I was 
told to take three days off the bike, which I did. Um, but I went back on the bike after three days and yeah, I had, like constant pain in my head. And it was strange because I just thought, oh, like I, I, I knew I hit my head, but I was just kind of like, oh, that, it'll just go away, you know. Mm-hmm. But anytime I hit a pothole, anytime I went over a bump, I had this pain in my head and I was just like, oh, this isn't right, you know. And yeah, from there really just, it got progressively worse because I didn't stop, I kept going. And at the time, um, I mean, cycling was never, I know we wear helmets um, or whatever, but it was never a big, concussion was never really a big thing in cycling it's a bit more it's getting a lot better now with protocols and everything um but it wouldn't have been to the extent like rugby is for instance um i think rugby is the best sport in the world um when it comes to concussion and like in identifying it and treating it um but yeah cycling was a bit unknown back then which is weird because only six years ago so were you not telling your team doctor or somebody that you were having these issues so the team knew i had head injury um but like at the time it was a um a continental team so it was with Team Action Haggins Berman, um, great team, one of the best under twenty three development teams in the world. But you don't actually have to have a doctor on the continental teams. So like we didn't have a team doctor say. Right. So basically that was if you needed help in that sense, for sure they were there. Um, but in my head I was I thought I was fine, you know, like they were always there to help if I needed. But um, it was it was only when I started to get I started to get help back here um, in Ireland because I knew. I knew after a while there was something not right, you know, and um, I got in contact with a doctor here to get like uh, an MRI done and got that done and yeah, just tried to try to figure out what the problem was, um, went to talk to people, um, like I thought I was just lacking motivation, stuff like that, but it wasn't, it was a case of like you wouldn't talk to these people and they're like, oh no, like you've, you think you've hit your head at 50 60k an hour you know um that's going to have an impact on on you if it's not treated right um and bearing in mind i was training through it thinking i was absolutely fine but then i noticed when i was training um it was a case of i come home angry really angry and irritable um no enjoyment out of it mental endurance was gone uh couldn't concentrate um just completely yeah it just got there was just one thing led to another uh like so that started to happen then I couldn't sleep I was getting four or five hours of sleep a night um, night sweats then Jeez. when you add in the sleep um, when you're not sleeping enough and you're still training it's like oh yeah then anxiety kicks in panic attacks stuff like that um, so it was just like a, a snowball this building you know before you, I actually realised okay I need to actually just stop exercising for a while you said your family your friends and family would have noticed these things also yeah I think um they they knew like complete personality change um like i was an absolute emotional wreck um i'm not a big um crier by any means um but yeah i was crying maybe once or twice a day very out of character um and yeah that was that was difficult to uh, to understand you know um i didn't know what the hell was going on um again the, the sleep yeah that was really getting to me after a while um night sweats uh couldn't bear bright lights like this bright light here yeah. and they'll just be like no I couldn't for a while after uh, loud noises really couldn't um, yeah couldn't hack uh, even watching a movie concentration to watch a movie stuff like that it was just difficult you know um, but yeah it's strange it was um, as I said I went and seen a lot of people about it but it was not until so I took a lot of time off the bike I took mm-hmm. maybe three months off the bike didn't race for eight months 
Um, but it was the December that year in 2017 um, when I joined Aka Blue and I went to the team camp there and we actually had a team doctor there, uh, Dr. Alan Farrell. And uh, I did my first ever SCAT test, so like the concussion test. I think it's mandatory in every sport now that everyone has to do it. And uh, the first three questions um, is normally what day it is, what's the date and what month is it? Hmm. First three questions I got wrong and he just stopped. <laughs> he just stopped and he said, have you been properly like assessed since your crash? And I said, I've like spoken to people or whatever, but I haven't been like fully assessed. Um, and he said, yeah, we need to go and just get everything checked. And um, it was January that year, the year after, sorry, um, went, got checked by a doctor here in, um, in Dublin. Uh, he did a full, like full, like mental test and um he he came to a conclusion then it was only like I knew I had a concussion but it was only he said then alright this is a yeah he said you were after the two hours he was like yeah you were it's clear that you were severely concussed mm-hmm. um, but yeah he said he thinks I was concussed for probably four or five months um, but he said at, at that time he didn't think um, it was still a severe concussion he said it's just basically he said it's like mild depressive symptoms that's what you have but he said that came from the concussion like it all yeah. led to each other and, um, and yeah and from then on then I uh, just got help with it um, slowly got back on the bike and yeah just kind of started to improve from there really like there's still things now with the concussion you notice um, like yeah s- small things um, like even talking I used to be a very confident talker and then, like after that, it's like even I noticed with like speech and stuff like that. It's like I couldn't say some words, little things like that. Um, is that is that all back now? Did you because you said there's still some lingering little effects? things like the way I like I used to be very, um, as I said, I used to be a confident speaker. Like I used to think everything true, and um, I still uh, think everything true and stuff. But the confidence wasn't there talking, and like to, just as I say to Neve, sometimes words just never like didn't come as naturally to me. Mm. Um, stuff like that uh, migraines never had a migraine in my life till after I hit my head so I get like two normally like two migraines a year now like but just like sore ones you know like painful ones you know you have them and uh, never as I said that mightn't be related to concussion but it's the only thing I can put that down to because I never used to like pre-concussion never ever used to get them never Um, so yeah just little things like that but yeah, it was it was tough, tough period. Um, I learned a lot about myself, um, but yeah, thankfully, um, I got the help I needed. I had good friends and family around me. Neve was always there as well, um, and yeah, it was a tough time. But uh, yeah, I think I learned a lot from it. What What did you learn from it? Um, yeah, it's weird. Like you, like especially like I didn't race for a while. I was still like going on the bike every now and then, but. Um, I learned like all right there's there's life outside of cycling and it's very easy to mm-hmm. um get lost in a bubble that oh like it's it's the be all and end all but like when it's taken away from you like I didn't go out that day thinking I was going to crash and then all of a sudden that happened and it's just like it in a in a split second it could all just be gone you know so time what are you going to do then 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Fair to say, anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. He's about 12. <laughs> Everyone in the city knew about him, but no one had seen him. Look how happy I was. What the fuck happened? No, really. What happened? What happened? It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Michael Murphy has retired from Donegal football this season. He's settled into his role as, it turns out, a really good and super sharp analyst of the game. But the fire still burns inside him. And it was rekindled when his county were drawn against Tyrone. The side Tyrone. of that Tyrone jersey. Whoa. That's all he needed. Saturday's preliminary quarterfinal. Here he is with his podcasting partner, Paul Flynn. It was, uh, it was the one time coming home I was watching. I came home to the house on, Sunday, on Monday night after after minor training. I just said to Anna, geez, that is the one week now where I'm saying to myself, wouldn't you just love to be <laughs> rolling into rolling into Valbuffet? I um, did not expect Tyrone to, oh, is it? Yeah, I didn't expect it, it, Tyrone to be the thing that, that got you thinking about uh, a return to the Intercounty scene. I thought that was the one game it, that you like, right, is it the first God week? Is it, yeah, is it the first week, Michael? You've started going, oh, geez, this is, this is the one. I'd love this one. Ah, that's a little bit definitely. You would have had small thoughts, but now when you actually feel it this week, it's yeah, it's one of the one of the weeks for you. Why is that, Murph? Yeah, just like I mean, I don't know. You probably have it. I'm sure with some counties, it's in your home neck of the woods. You lost last day out against there. You have a good record there. You don't want any team coming in, and you want to do something about it to help out your county. That's essentially it. Is there anything personal in that as well in relation to? unfinished business or just you know or is it just a case of it's a big game I want to be involved now ah big game no nothing absolutely zero personal I spoke to the boys I got to see them out in the pits the last day and I was buzzing for them you know what Flanner I keep going back to it there's so much in it that gets you to this day to play in in Buffet in the middle of June there's October November December you didn't put it I knew that had to be done and done done perfectly but I listen I'm sure everybody I'm sure you think to yourself when you see the dubs oh, I, do, I, do, I, do, I, I was asking it more on a rivalry with Tyrone for you was it sorry there's there's nothing personal as regards unfinished business for me in inter-county football but yes personally as regards Tyrone yeah without a doubt I got on they too 100% <laughs> it's not a they're not that's a, what I was thinking more so the top yeah. of the list yeah <laughs> 
Top of the list, Murph. Top. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I don't have any unfinished business, just with Tyrone. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, I was uh, texting Michael during the week, yeah. and uh, I did uh, outline the sort of nightmare scenario that I have uh, upcoming this week, which is the Galway hurlers getting beaten by Tipperary and the Galway footballers getting beaten by Mayo in knockout games on the same weekend. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm not. You heard what Michael thought about Tyrone, so let's just say that he replied with a message in broadly similar terms about the prospect of Donegal getting beaten by Tyrone. In well, he was also he did also raise the possibility of us heading up to the square and the diamond, I should say, in Donegal to <laughs> celebrate their All Ireland final <laughs> win in a number of weeks. But I think I think we're all aware they're a little bit away from yeah. that. But they're still in there. There's they're only still two, in there. one big win, and suddenly you're into the quarters. And yeah. Um, Who knows after that? Well, let's face it, Donegal aren't going to win the Ireland this year, Owen, but uh, it's, you know, they're allowed to dream. Become a member to hear Michael and Paul as the championship finally hits the business end as it did last weekend. If you sign up, you'll hear all episodes ad-free. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. The Second Captain's Podcast is part of the ACAST. Oh, yeah, the ACAST Creator, Creator Network. Yeah, of course. I'm sorry, I didn't realise you needed some help there, Owen. No, yeah, it's the ACAST Creator Network. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.